0: If you're looking to scale your free strength business, one of the first things you're gonna be looking for is equipment. Now you want some type of manufacturer who can help build you a machine that can help accelerate that growth. Faster run times, more consistent, types of products that comes out of the freeze dryer so there's less throwaway rate, and you're going to want to know someone who can help you with the service side of that type of freeze dryer. In this episode of the Creative Freeze Drying series, I'm going to be interviewing the director of Parker Freeze Dry. In this interview, you're going to know who Parker Freeze Dry is, what machines do they make, when is the right time to look at an industrial freeze dryer based on the size of your company, as well as we're going to ask him some advice and things that he's seeing in the industry that I believe will really help you gain more insight into the freeze drying world. So let's. Let's get to the interview and I'll introduce you to Matt. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Creative Freeze-Drying Series. We're doing things like interviewing people who are manufacturing equipment for freeze-drying, accessories, and also people who are doing different things with products to freeze-dry as well. But today we're here with Matt from Parker Freeze-Dryer. They are based in Minnesota, as well as a new location that Matt's going to talk about in this interview. But we want to welcome Matt to the Freeze Dry Business Channel. And Matt, why don't you introduce yourself, what you do for Parker Freeze Dry, and what the company is all about? Would be a great start for all of us to hear.
1: So, my name is Matt Gronke, I am the sales and marketing manager for. Proform Fabrication, which is the parent company of uh, Parker Freeze-Dry. That's one of our divisions here. I spend most of my time in that brand. We do have a couple other things that we work on as well. But for the most part, you know, as a manufacturer of industrial commercial freeze-drying equipment, that's where most of my time is spent. My role here with the group is, is to head up sales operations and then set up opportunities for marketing opportunities where we'll be working with various universities graduate programs doctorate programs a lot of stuff in animal nutrition science companion nutrition science human food you know i mean biotech there's a lot of different things going on with freeze drying that i'm sure we'll talk about later but i kind of got my fingers in all of that stuff Parker Freeze Dry was founded, I want to say about 20 years ago, over in the Wisconsin area. And our company, Proform Fabrication, was a manufacturer for him. Uh, We fabricated all of the vacuum chambers, all of the sanitary stainless work, and then we would send it off to their facility. And that went on for close to two decades. And the opportunity came up for us to purchase Parker Freeze Dry and we, we looked into it and, and saw that there was a lot of potential there for this industry. And our, our ownership group decided to acquire those, the intellectual property and bring it all in-house. So Parker Freezer, I then became a division of ProForm Fabrication. And that transaction probably was three and a half years ago, maybe four. So we kind of took that relationship we had as a vendor to the next level to become the owner kind of started making some innovations on the design as it existed in the last couple of years we've added a lot of different features that that we felt were necessary and so far they're proving to be we we had the right idea because the interest is pretty high on on this stuff so that's kind of what we've been up to for the last couple of years here is just feeding the industry. We get a lot of calls from people that are, you know, viewers of your channel that are in the hobby stage or in the, the fledgling entrepreneurial stage. And they're just kind of wondering what happens next. You know, I've got one of these machines and I've got a product that works. What do I do now? I've got 10 of these machines. I think I've got the customer base. What do I do now? How do I take this to that next level? Because we we we're all aware of the challenges of trying to operate a you know a full scale commercial business with equipment that's designed to be worked at a hobby or residential level when does someone actually
0: come to you to look at freeze dryers and is it based on capacity is it based on you know volume is it based on you know actually low amounts of maintenance compared to having to maintain 20 different freeze dryers where do you fit in to for someone to kind of like know whether they should be looking at Parker freeze dryer or any type of industrial freeze
1: dryer. From what I'm hearing from people that are reaching out to us and where most people are at when they're contacting us is they're, they're getting into that stage that switches from, you know, small batch production to high volume production. And that's where it comes into play. Uh, Some of the things you're going to gain when you, when you move into this realm of equipment is, efficiency and reliability. So, you know, the vacuum pumps are more aggressive or not aggressive, more powerful. So they're getting down to that, that pressure a lot faster, uh, lack of pressure, I guess. Your refrigeration component is moving a lot more air at a commercial level of equipment than what you're seeing on your, on your countertop units that, uh, that most people are familiar with. So, you know, not only are you getting the scale of, what can you fit in there and process efficiently but how fast can you do it too because this equipment is I mean for lack of a bet I'm a, I'm a gearhead out of history here so it, it's a higher horsepower piece of mach- piece of equipment it can yeah. it can get a lot more done in, in a little li- in less time now that being said you know with freeze drying ultimately that's not something you can really speed up once you've got the exact parameters put in there. Cause you know, if you just start applying more heat. You're just cooking it. You're not really freeze drying it at that point, but cooking it under vacuum instead. You know, we, we work really hard at Parker to provide customer service to all of our customers and we want to have conversations with them and we want to help them solve their problem. Now, that being said, you know, as a manufacturer of freeze drying equipment, one thing we don't get involved with is the, the recipe development, the process development side of things. So, you know, it, it's it's up to the customer to have their process figured out. And 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 the reason that this is important is these are fully programmable units. So where you're used to just putting your product in there and hitting go and walking away, and then you come back in 20 hours, 26 hours, however long, and it's done. So there's no flexibility there. It just kind of is what it is. With units when you get into this commercial industrial realm, especially with ours, you know, we basically allow fully programmable, recallable and provide a bunch of feedback. So after you run that process, then you can pick it apart and watch for, you know, indicators throughout the process from all of the feedback you're getting back from your product throughout the run the behavior of the machine throughout the run and the different components, the refrigeration, the heating elements, the vacuum levels, you know, how hard is the compressor working? There's a lot of different things that are all happening there. And you'll take the time then to really drill down and identify, okay, I think this step, this primary dry phase can be shortened up, or we need to go a little longer here, or this jump from, 60 degrees to 80 degrees was a little hard on the product so let's you know let's slow that down next time and and that's kind of that's what i get in when i'm saying like recipe development you know we can't tell you how to do that we can show you what the machine is telling you right but it's up to the the user we don't get involved in the in the fine tuning of the recipes for them
0: So when you're saying you've got the fine tuning of your process, does that mean like the freeze dried, let's say fruit that's coming out of there? It's in a in a better preserved freeze drying state than something who is something that's over over dried or something that uh, didn't didn't basically extract enough water. So like you have a less throwaway weight uh, rate.
1: Yeah, I'd say I'd say that's a good a good way to put that part of having all the different components and all of the higher quality components and everything is that you're going to get more consistent results across your entire batch. So it's going to be important that you have your batch set properly because everything should come out the same the way that our system is set up. Um, you know, we use electric heat for each of the pan, each product pan and machines range in batch sizes from about a hundred pounds up to 4,000 pounds. So when loaded properly and consistently with consistent product and uh, a consistent program across the board you should have 100 pounds or I guess the dry weight of, of whatever you started with you know across the whole board there shouldn't be an anticipated throwaway if you're setting it up properly because the system has enough controls in place to give you the you know Optimal results. And that's part of that whole jump from dealing with residential equipment versus getting into full-scale production mode.
0: So what type of a freeze-dryer equipment do you have? So you said you have a hundred all the way up to four thousand pounds. Is yeah. that how long does a cycle take for a hundred pounds versus that four thousand pound type of machine?
1: The cycle time doesn't change because the machines are scale. If you have a process in place for, and I'm just going to call animal protein, okay? That can be a lot of different things, but it's nice and consistent and it's easy to discuss. If you're talking about animal protein in our Summit model, which is our 100-pound unit, actually it's like 97.5 is what we recommend for the max load. It's 15 trays, about six pounds a tray when you're all said and done. That kind of a process, you're looking at probably, you know, 18 hours, Twenty, depending on how you set it up. Start with that summit model in your business plan, and you've ran it for a year, and now you're ready to expand beyond that. And you get into anything from our Parker Two, which is a 500 pound unit, all the way up to the Parker 16, which is the 4,000 pound unit. That same profile and recipe that you set up in the summit goes into that same other unit. And all you're increasing is the volume and the energy usage, obviously. But, you know, we've designed the systems to scale. So the the recipe profiles can remain the same as the business grows. You're just adding more product.
0: Curiosity question. Okay, so 500 pounds of strawberries. Well, strawberries typically have pretty high water capacity like ratio. So let's just say it's 90%. I mean, where does, you know, 400 pounds of water go to when you're setting something like that up? You know, like where, where does that all go to? Because typically we're just used to like a bucket, you know, (laughs) us us home and like smaller commercial, you know, freeze dryer type people, you know, we're just used to having one batch that's more, uh, you know, like between 12 to 25 pounds or so like that.
1: You'd be surprised how many people don't think about that until after, you know, way deep in the conversations i love that you brought that up right off the bat because so we, we our, our system has cold plates in the chambers and that collects the ice you know as as when it's under vacuum the moisture goes there and it stays there when the process is done we have an automated defrost in our systems on our large systems the the summit model is a is a manual defrost but parker two on up you know 500 pound up to four pound they have an automated defrost and all of that ice basically melts off in chunks and winds up on the bottom of the chamber. So there is a component of disposal that needs to be considered when you're looking at your facility. Are you looking at your location? Is there any rules in your municipality about what can go down the drain? Is there any contaminants that you need to be concerned about? I have some customers that are recovering that ice and I'm not sure what they're doing with it after the fact, but it has value to them. But I do have customers that save it. I have other customers that shovel it out and it goes outside. Some are putting it just on the drain, depending on how their facility is set up. But either way, it does need to be defrosted before you start that next cycle for optimal results.
0: What happens to the freeze dryer if you have water existing in there? It
1: violently boils and then turns into ice. And then if it's near the heat source, then it'll sublimate eventually. But it, yeah, water is funny under vacuum. I mean, everything changes under vacuum. Like Everything you... you know, about physics is wrong once you take the atmosphere away. So yeah. there, there's lots of videos out there where you can see where people are doing experiments to kind of document the sublimation process and where that, I forget what the actual temperature is, where it boils. I want to say it's like 40 degrees or something like that.
0: What's the typical time frame of the freeze dryer now with, with capacity? So let's talk about that hundred pound machine you know, how long does that typically take for a hundred pounds of food to yeah. actually freeze dry?
1: A good rule of thumb for all this equipment, you're probably getting a batch per day, you know, a, a food-based slurry, if whether it's a solid that's cubed, you know, as long as it's something that's consistent, that that is, you know, easily freeze dryable, high surface area, you know, you throw a whole steak, in there or a whole chicken breast, then you, you're kind of dealing with a whole different animal. We usually guesstimate that you're, you're, you're counting on a batch a day. Now, now the caveat there is, is with the candy industry, some of our customers are, are turning it a little faster, but with the candy industry, it's not always about the full sublimation and lyophilization of it. They kind of just want it to blow up so it can get done a little faster as part of that speeding up the process you know, where they're, they're purposely getting a little bit of meltback going on there. If you're hitting
0: around eight to 10 individual freeze dryers, you're going to start wanting to kind of look at something like that summit, because now you can basically have one machine, one yeah. types of machine that you're ma- maintaining for the,
1: for the capacity that you're looking for. If that's where you're at, and you're planning on getting beyond that, That's, that's certainly the answer. You know, it's, it's that first step getting into that level of production. It's a continuous batch process, I guess, is the way I would say, you know, and our customers that are, you know, up into the 2,500 pound units, they've got a reason to have more workforce there. Uh, Some of them are running multiple 2,500 pound units and they've basically got a rotation set up amongst two shifts, so that they're constant every couple hours, they're switching the next machine over. I mean, that's where you really start to see the scale is getting into it that far.
0: I hope you're enjoying the interview. I wanted to interject here because I want to invite you to a couple other of my episodes on the Creative Freeze-Drying series, specifically the ones that I talk to specific companies who are doing creative freeze drying products, and that is Sweet Potato Awesome and Yo's Fro-Yo's Bites. Now I'm gonna put the link in those episodes below in the video description. It's also gonna be at the tail end of this video in the thumbnails, so make sure you take a look at those if this interests you. I think you'll be really fascinated with what these two individuals are doing with their companies because they scaled from a small product size all the way up to this size, which is more commercial and industrial. All right, thanks a lot. Hit the like button if you're liking this video so far, and let's get back to the interview. How big of a space typically with your customers that you have for the summit do they have square footage wise that yeah. you typically see?
1: Yeah, so not knowing about all of the pre-process and post-process for everybody's different needs. What I can tell you for sure is that the summit is is it needs about a five by five work area that okay. gets enough room to open the doors. Take a look at the inside if you need to. If you need to take a panel off to take a look at something, you know, it gives you the space to do that safely. It's about a five by five unit, about six feet tall with the silencer installed and it weighs about 2,500 pounds. Okay. So it's a, it's a solid piece of stainless steel that, that, you know, we fabricate here on site and assemble and test and everything's done here. So from a power standpoint, the Summit model, we designed that to run on a single phase. So it's 240 volt with a 60 amp service, which is pretty easy to get almost anywhere. You get into our larger units, that's when you start getting into the three-phase power and it has a separate refrigeration component that's installed outdoors that needs to be piped to the machine. That that Those installs get to be a little bit more in depth, whereas the Summit is, is almost a plug and play. You know, you'll need your, your licensed electrician to install the receptacle that we provide. But once it arrives, you just plug it into that and turn it on and, and go it's ready to roll
0: is the machine loud is it need a lot of ventilation
1: when it's running you know and i'll I'll call it full tilt at the beginning of the cycle the the refrigeration's running the vacuum pumps running everything's running you're coming in 85 decibels around there you know and you can sit and talk next to it once it gets out of that primary dry phase and it starts to settle down a little bit it gets a little quieter but you don't have any concerns about, you know, ear protection or anything like that with some like you find in some commercial kitchens. This piece of equipment is is easy on the ears, I guess, for, for lack of a better term, you want it indoors, you want it in a climate controlled area, it's going to kick off a little heat, there's going to be some condensation coming out of it at the and, you know, the opening for the, for the pump and for the vent for the refrigeration side. So you want it near a a floor drain, or at least close enough to one that you can hook a hose up to it to get it over there. Also for the defrost side of things, you know, you're going to take out your big ice chunks, but the stuff that melts, you're going to want to make sure that's got somewhere to go.
0: What's the most interesting freeze-dried company that you've encountered like in terms of what they are actually using equipment to freeze dry and sell.
1: We have NDAs with everybody we work with (laughs) because nobody wants competition. It's really wild David because we get calls every week and it's of, of different companies and different scientists and different people thinking like what if I put this in there can you do this much of this what happens you know. I've heard stuff on the ag side of things from you know, like fertilizer, natural type pesticide stuff. We've got all the different sides of the food industry, whether it's candy, backpacking meals, people exploring insect proteins. There's all the different sides of the food industry. We have a customer down in Texas that has set up their company called Milkify that that we've done some, some advertising stuff with them. They have an exchange program that they develop where they're freeze drying breast milk as instead of a a formula type of instead of having to go with formula they can preserve the actual breast milk and then save it for as long as the mother needs it for but we do have a testing program in play here at parker that you know if somebody wants to send us a complete batch we can look at opportunities to run it through our summit and and do some water activity tests on it after it's done yeah so that's that's one of the things that we do when it comes to the scaling side of things weirdest thing i did david was i it, we, we we get maple syrup from our property, we tap like 80 trees in the spring. So I wanted to try and create some kind of concentrated maple flavoring sugar thing for a, a moonshine project that I had. And it never panned out because the syrup wouldn't freeze. And then it kind of melted back immediately and made a gigantic mess of the inside of the machine. So it was uh, great on donuts. And french toast and everything, but it didn't turn out the way I wanted. The way I understand it, it has a lot to do with the bricks, the, the sugar level. Undesired effects, it's difficult to freeze dry that stuff from what I understand. And and, and I kind of see that whenever we try something like honey or syrup or molasses, you know, it, 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 it's exceptionally challenging. I think the next big thing that we're going to see is going to be on and I hate to use the term the term sustainability because it's kind of undefinable doesn't really have a definition but everybody likes to throw it around I think that you know freeze drying is, is has an opportunity to really change the entire dynamic of how we get real food real plants real meats things like that because all of these things have limitations on shelf life and you have limitations on the costs for logistics, for shipping and for maintaining and refrigerating and all that stuff. And I mean, just think about at at scale, how much produce is thrown away.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And if we knew that that much of it was going to get thrown away to begin with when we're producing it, what if we just freeze dried that much of it from each crop right off the bat to disperse it where it needs to go? I mean, that's a real game changer for our entire ecosystem as far as food is concerned, you know, as opposed yeah. to taking all 10 steps before it goes bad. What if there was some preemptive work being done in front of it where they've got a freeze-drying facility right at wherever the, the 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 large commercial farms are taking all of that produce, you know, when they're getting ready to take it to market? What if a chunk of it is shaved off and freeze-dried right away?
0: Even some of myself, I'm not afraid to admit you know, it's more of my ignorance that I don't know what to do. And with food excess or with the waste, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like I'm used to eating, you know, cucumbers sliced or in a salad or something like that. So I don't, I don't know what to do with a freeze dried cucumber, you know, and what do you use it on? That's different than that because the reconstituting of a cucumber It just it's going to taste different and it's also going to kind of like feel and look different. But if we knew how to use a recipe for freeze dried cucumber to be able to use it in a different way that we know now what that waste would look like. I think that's where I see the industry headed a lot, too, is like now that there's more people doing it, people are going to find more ways to use the waste and freeze dry it, like you're saying, to where it's just an education part and that I think is just going to take time, but it's going to, I think it could, it could become much more quicker in terms of education here over the next five to 10 years, because so many people are doing it.
1: Yeah. And it's not so much just the education, but because so many people are doing it, it's the innovation. That's the part of it. That's the most exciting thing because now this is something that there are so many people just screwing around in their kitchens with this stuff, you know, and somebody's going to catch on to something. And, and that's going to be part of the next phase of growth for all this. It's just getting them to that point and, and getting, the, you know, getting the awareness out there so that when they do have that good idea, the investors are ready to come on board and help them get it to that next step. So, you know, yeah. when you talk about cucumbers and I, I'm not a cucumber guy, but I do like zucchini. So, you know, you, most things zucchini goes into, you don't need it to still be sliced. You can mush it up and make zucchini bread or whatever with it, you know. So it's yeah. just a matter of just finding a different use for those things. Just, you know, don't be afraid to learn because there's always something new that you can learn, you know, and you get a batch that turned out terrible and it was a, a mistake, you know, it was only a mistake if you didn't learn anything from it. Take chances on that stuff when you're developing your recipes and everything so you can figure it out. And then just keep in mind the scale. Is this scalable? If that's what your goal is, if, if your goal is just to keep trying new things and just see what happens and you're, you're just experimenting and you're finding joy in that, that's fine. But if your goal is to scale it, be realistic about what that looks like. You know, I turned out this many bags of Skittles this week okay, what does that look like if I'm doing 50,000 pounds of Skittles in a month? You know, is that feasible? How do I, how do I go about this? Who can I contact that's got experience with that? So that's the kind of stuff that, you know, we, we have so many, I, I hate to, Put it this way, but we have so many calls to action on our website because we want to talk to people about this and and show them this is what our equipment does. We can't tell you how to run your business, but we can show you how this equipment can help your business.
0: Is there any industry for freeze drying, like uh, websites or magazines, periodicals, blogs that you would suggest people that aren't exposed to freeze drying as much like to follow to kind of like learn about the industry, what's upcoming? Yeah. You know, that that want to kind of dig in and, and learn more?
1: Yeah, we've got a blog on our website at parkerfreezdry.com that you can sign up for on our mailing list there. And, you know, we periodically add new articles there just for industry stuff. You're not going to see a lot of things on there about, you know, small scale, two, three pounds at a time. Right. But there's plenty of information being shared There we're always looking to see what's coming up next, who's doing what. So keep an eye on that. We do put opportunities in there if there's a conference that you know could be beneficial. We, we go to a lot of conferences and trade shows. We speak at a few different universities about this subject. So plenty of opportunities to learn. Just have them go to the website, parkandfreezdrive.com, and sign up for the blog.